What is up, everybody? This is a very special episode of the Chick Foley Show. This is the Hot Take Kid, Phil Gentile, here in the Jimmy's Famous Seafood Studios. Uh, welcome. This is going to be a the first of many episodes uh, where myself and maybe myself and Marco uh, interview some of our favorite folks around the wrestling business uh, while Sheena is out uh, on her maternity leave, I guess you could say. And uh, we're starting off with a bang here with AEW's own Chris Van Vliet. Chris, what's going on this evening, man? Thanks for having me on, Phil. Uh, and I, pre- I appreciate you calling this a special episode. So you thank you. Hey, man, you're 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 a rising star in these parts, man. People now that AEW is kind of taking over the airwaves on TNT. Your your face is uh, is all all over the TV now. Uh, it's been on there a few times at least. Uh, so yeah, no, it, this has been uh, look. This is just as exciting for me as a fan. As uh, as someone who has a tiny little minuscule point zero 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 one percent you know role in any of this, so this is pretty awesome. You guys can follow Chris on Twitter. Uh, it's Chris Van, and then last name is V L I E T. And uh, definitely search him on YouTube. Has a great YouTube channel. We'll get into all of that in a moment. But just give everybody a background. Obviously, uh, we know you're involved with AEW. We'll get into that a little more detail. Uh, as we go on here, but uh, how did you become, you know, where you are today? Where did you start? I know you're, a, you know, Canadian, uh, Canadian born and bred. Uh, how did you get into the world of professional wrestling? Now, what, what was your, what was your story? I remember being uh, drawn to it at a young age, and it was always on at uh, Grandma and Grandpa's house. I was not allowed to watch wrestling uh, growing up, uh, but it was on at uh, Grandma and Grandpa house so if my grandpa had it on nice. we're talking like late late 80s here so you know i was just drawn in by those larger than life characters you know hogan and warrior and macho man and even some of you know the the, the characters like sergeant slaughter and repo man like i just thought it was just so cool seeing these like cartoon like characters these superhero characters on tv and but like i said grandpa's house grandma and grandpa's house is the only place that it was on um, and then as I got a little bit older, like into high school, you know, the attitude era was starting to hit. We're talking, you know, 96, seven, eight at this point. And it was everywhere. Wrestling was everywhere. And I was on the high school wrestling team. So, you know, you were kind of, uh, told to not watch pro wrestling cause that stuff was quote unquote fake. And what we were doing in the gym was real, but you know, I, I, there was just something about it. I had a few friends that were into it and I was just completely sucked in by, it was like the McMahon and Austin, you know, feud that was going on. And man, I was, I was just so into it. It was Monday night. I would watch raw and I'd flip between nitro. And then the next day raw played again and I watched it again. And then it was thunder and it was ECW on Fridays. And I watched metal and heat and, jacked i watched everything man yeah um, we're uh you're you're about the same you're a little bit younger than me we're about the same age but that was i mean it, it was hard to find anybody in school that didn't watch wrestling i mean that was kind of the water cooler talk on tuesday mornings everybody who was anybody watched wrestling and now we've gotten away from that a little bit i don't know if it's just because of the dilution of wrestling or you know the the birth of dvr and all that kind of stuff but you know back then it was just you, you had to watch it on monday nights you were flipping back and forth yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the Internet was in its, you know, real infancy stage at that time. So the only way you really found out if someone watched wrestling was they were wearing like an Austin 316 shirt or a DX shirt, like walking down the halls. And you'd be like, hold on a second. You like wrestling, too? <laughs> yeah. And it's like that scene from Step Brothers. Like, did we just become best friends? Yeah. Yep. 
<laughs> Very nice. And uh, so, so that that explain. You know, that's kind of the, the story for most folks as how they became a wrestling fan. How did you uh, get into the wrestling business? Working for AEW. I mean, obviously, you started as a communications degree with college and and bounced around to some TV sh- channels. But how how did AEW get? You know, how did you become on their radar and, and and all that stuff? Was it the YouTube channel or what? Well, I think if we really back this up, like in high school, as I was, you know, really getting into wrestling, like it was my goal and my dream to be a pro wrestler. And I was in a backyard wrestling federation when I was 16 and 17. And I had made this pact with one of my friends in the wrestling federation that like when we, when we were old enough and we had a car, uh, we were going to go to wrestling school and I kept up my end of the bargain. He didn't, uh, you know, but when I was 20 years old, I, uh, I took the summer between, uh, you know, college classes and I started going to wrestling school wow, and I nice. wanted to tr- yeah, I wanted to train to be a wrestler. So I was training at the squared circle in Toronto, Ontario. And, uh, you know, I, I just quickly realized after a few months that like, it was one or the other. You could either go to wrestling school or you could go to actual school. And it was very, very difficult to balance both of them. So, you know, I, I think my parents were very happy that I chose to get my college degree, which, uh, like you mentioned, was in communication studies. And then, you know, the new goal kind of changed to be, I want to be a TV host and I want to get into broadcasting. And that's kind of where my career path took me. Uh, I hosted a bunch of different shows in Canada, including a show on MTV2 in Canada. Uh, and I, then I broke into the U.S. in 2010. I was in Cleveland as an entertainment reporter for the CBS station there. Uh, I was recently in Miami hosting a show there. And kind of how this all came together was, you know, being an entertainment reporter, you're covering all things entertainment. So that's music, that's movies, and of course, that's wrestling. So when there was anything to do with wrestling, like if Raw or SmackDown was coming to town or if a wrestler had a new movie coming out that they wanted to promote, I was doing everything I could to get that wrestler to come on our show. So we'd have the wrestlers come on the show and, you know, usually you'd only air like one little soundbite, like 20, 30 seconds of an interview. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you're going to have a wrestler in the studio, I'm not just going to, you know, ask him a few questions. Like I want to ask like the questions I actually cared about. So... I'd have these 10, 15 minute interviews and I was like, well, other wrestling fans I think are going to appreciate these questions. Cause I'm a fan, you know, other fans would appreciate this. So I just threw them on YouTube just so they would have a place to live. Um, and very, you know, very slowly, this was like 2011 when I started my YouTube channel, very slowly, like other people started to find these interviews and, you know, they'd get a few hundred views, few thousand views. And, uh, in the last couple of years, I was just like, you know what, I'm having, so much fun doing these wrestling interviews. I think that if I really started to go out of my way to make these interviews happen, I think I could get a lot more of them and you know even get some better content. And you know, I say it all the time, vague goals get vague results. And uh, last year I was like, I want to do 40 wrestling interviews. And which would have been like probably more than double the wrestling interviews I had done. But I went out and I think I did like 41 of them. This year I said I wanted to do 50 wrestling interviews which would be about one a week. And I've done something like 90 videos this year. And it's just, that was kind of what got uh, on AEW's radar, I think. You know, after Jericho signed, I did an interview with him, which led to me doing an interview with Tony Khan, which led to me doing a second interview with Cody. I'd done an interview when he worked for Ring of Honor, which then led to an interview with the Bucks. And I'd done all these interviews with AEW. And then, um, you know, they reached out to me and said, hey, uh, would you be interested in doing some stuff with us, you know, when TV starts in October? And that's kind of how it all came together. 
Awesome story, man. Yeah, I mean, it's it just shows hard work pays off. I I've uh, I've become a, a pretty big AEW fan. There's some things about it I I, I, I nitpick about, but the same with WWE. But um, one one of my problems with AEW is I, I was never. I mean, I've been since WCW closed. I've been a WWE guy. I haven't really watched. You know, I have a four year old. I have a job, and I, I wish I could watch more wrestling, but I really never was able to. I didn't get into New Japan and any of this stuff. Uh, but now that AEW's around, I've I've slowly gotten into it. I've been, you know, I went to the the Full Gear pay per view here in Baltimore. It was awesome. But I never watched the Being the Elite videos. So uh, your videos are awesome. If you guys search Chris on uh, YouTube, uh, he has. Uh, there's some WWE guys in there too, but it's a lot of W uh, AEW superstars. And you have a great style of interviewing where you basically, you know, it's not a shoot interview. It's not a you know you're picking on WWE or kind of trash talking. You're, you're really just you know Scorpio Sky and Luchasaurus, and we're just getting to know these people a little bit. And I don't know any of these guys. I mean, I'm walking in uh, to AEW completely blind. So your videos have been great over the last couple of days. I've just been kind of binging on them. Uh, you did Marco Stunt. I mean, every everybody up and down the roster you have on here. So um, it, you, you've done a great job of kind of like uh, I really hope AEW can kind of give you a bigger role with some of these interviews and just put them on their website or put them on their shows and stuff because you know it just gives me an insight inside these characters that I see for you know three minutes a week every other week or something it's just it's definitely some great extra content for me and it's made me more invested in AEW well I appreciate you saying that Phil thanks a lot and you know, I don't think that this style of interview could have really existed, you know, 10 plus years ago, you know, because kayfabe was still very oh, yeah. much protected. Um, you know, the, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm interviewing, you know, someone like Marco Stunt, the wrestler, but I'm, you know, I'm interviewing Marco Stunt, the human. And, you know, it's nice to hear um, like his road to, you know, getting into wrestling, his road to get into AEW. And, you know, with a lot of these guys, I want to find out what makes them tick because, I firmly believe that success leaves clues. Tony Robbins says that all the time. Success leaves clues. And I think that if we can, you know, kind of pull some of the clues out from some, you know, extremely successful people, um, you know, that are all doing very well in not just AEW, but in all the different wrestling organizations, I think that, you know, it can help us all out. So the only reason I've had a lot of AEW interviews, and I think a lot of people, you know, think that like i was working for AEW long before uh, i ever made an appearance on tv that wasn't the case it's just they made their people so much more accessible yeah. so like if they were making these interviews available i was certainly not going to say no but you know this year i've interviewed AEW, wwe i've been to a uh, several impact events ring of honor yeah i'm not going to say no to anybody uh and then that's i think the cool thing is if someone's willing to speak with me and willing to take the time, I will go out of my way to travel to them and uh, we'll throw on the camera and we'll have a conversation. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw a Johnny Gargano interview in here, John Cena interview. What's who, who are some of the folks that, you, I mean, I, I haven't even scrolled back to see the beginning of all these. I mean, you have so many of them here going all the way back for a couple of years. Who, who's been your couple favorite people that stick out to you when you think about all the interviews you've done that like, man, that, that guy or that girl or, awesome like you know they just seem like a genuine good person i really i'm rooting for them who, who are those some of those people for you uh i the rock is like a huge standout for me and you know becoming like a super fan at the time when i did in the late 90s the rock was like by far my favorite wrestler so he was kind of on the bucket list for a long time even in just my broadcasting career before i was really doing the youtube interviews i was like i want to do an interview with the rock so I've now, you know, had the pleasure of doing several interviews with The Rock, and he's everything you want him to be. He's he's funny, he's fun, he's charismatic, and he makes you feel like you're special. You know, he's 
arguably the biggest celebrity in the world right now. And he goes out of his way to make you feel like you're special. And, and then like the fact that he even remembers my name now is mind blowing to me. So that one's, that one's really special. Uh, you know, I've done John Cena three, four times now, I think. Um, but the interview I did with John Cena, uh, at WrestleMania this year was particularly special. He didn't do any interviews at all during WrestleMania. Um, and a mutual friend of ours connected us. And that mutual friend was, Tyler Perry, you know, the mega director, producer, you know, actor. And mm-hmm. I'd interviewed Tyler many times for a bunch of his movies. And he was like, hey, if, uh, I know you have that YouTube channel. You ever you ever wanted to interview John Cena? And I'm like, <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> so uh, the fact that he, you know, Tyler put in a good word for me and John took the time out of an insanely busy WrestleMania weekend to do this interview, like, after his workout at a gym, but before a signing of his children's book, like he literally had 20 minutes. Wow. And if you watch the interview, he gave me every single one of those 20 minutes. Like he walked up to me and said, we got to make this quick, man. I got 10 minutes. Let's get rolling. So at the 10 minute mark, I go to wrap him up and he goes, hold on, hold on, hold on. Digs his phone out of his pocket, takes a look at the time. He goes, nah, we still got more time. Nice. And I'm like, what? Like John, <laughs> I can't believe this. The interview on, ended up going like almost exactly 20 minutes. And, you know, it's, it's stuff like that that's, um, you know, that makes someone like a John Cena or a rock um, that much more special because, you know, they create those moments for you. That's really cool to hear. And those, those are two guys that really don't need to be uh, that, that cool with anybody. You know what I mean? You, you, when you get that yeah. famous, you can, you can basically do whatever you want and be who, however you want. So that just shows that their true self is, uh, is, is good people. So that's cool. Well, Rock always says, you know, it's nice to be important, but it's important to be nice. And I think that, you know, that's, that's a true testament to the, to the person that he is. Wow, that's a great quote. Yeah, for sure. Um, give us give us your typical week. I don't, you're not a dynamite every single week. Um, do you get called on like you know on the day or two before? And if you're not there, are you are you doing YouTube stuff? What's your what's your week typically like for Chris Van Fleet? So I, it's, it it honestly depends on how much lead time I'm given to be on dynamite. Uh, for the first episode, I knew you know a, a while out like. Um, but for the last one I was on, I you know I knew maybe a week out. Um, but yeah, the rest of the time is like I'm scouring to find interviews that I can do. I, I've been, you know, like I said, I'm not afraid to travel to make an interview happen. Um, I'm a really big fan of doing the interviews in person and getting that face-to-face connection and that interpersonal communication. So uh, this past weekend, I was in uh, New York City. Uh, I was at the big event, um, which is a convention there. And uh, I did an interview with Enzo, which is actually going to drop well, it, it's dropping soon. It'll probably have already dropped when we uh, air this interview. But Enzo, Santino Morella, and Flip Gordon. So oh, wow. I'm basically trying. Yeah, it's, it's some really good stuff there. Uh, so I'm basically trying to find as many interviews as I can get. You know, I'm, I'm making those into the YouTube videos, and I'm also you know turning that into my podcast, which is the Chris Van Vliet Show. I've also been doing a lot of uh, acting and auditions recently. So. Uh, you know, you might see me in some movies, maybe in a very, very small role uh, coming <laughs> up soon. So that and, you know, the thing about what I'm doing now is I was hosting this show in Miami for five years. It was called Deco Drive, an entertainment show, which I absolutely loved. And I got to travel the world, interviewing the biggest stars in the world. But now I kind of get to work on my own terms. And it's super exciting that, um, you know, outside of the commitments with Dynamite on the shows that I'm booked on, you know, 
I, I'm very much like doing my own thing with the YouTube interviews and these acting auditions. And I also run I'm a big bass fisherman. This, this one's coming out of left field. No, for, no, I saw know. this on the, I saw this on the <laughs> I Wikipedia <laughs> page. I was about to bring this up. Uh, <laughs> this, is, this is wild though. I'm a big bass fisherman and my entire life I grew up bass fishing. So, um, my bass fishing partner and I started a tackle company, a fishing tackle company called Woo tungsten. We, we sell tungsten fishing weights. Um, so, you know, that, that actually takes a lot of my time as well. So man, you're a busy my, my, man. Yeah. But I mean, you know, it's all stuff that, you know, juices me and drives me. And I, you know, honestly, at the end of the day, I had, uh, I had this epiphany in my final year of college. I woke up one day and, you know, college is fun. Like you're hanging out with your friends and you're, you're having drinks and you're deciding whether you feel like going to class, you know, or you feel like sleeping in. And I had this epiphany one day I woke up and I was like, oh my God, at the end of this year, like we're graduating. And after graduation, like we have to work for the next like 40 to 50 years. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I'm like, in that moment, I decided like, I don't want to hate my job. And that was like, that was the bare minimum. Like I didn't want to hate what I did for a living. And that was like something that really like sparked a fire in me. And like I reached out in that that next week to every TV station in town, every radio station in town. And I was like, look, I'm a communication studies um, major. I love broadcasting. I'm super passionate about it. Can I just come in and like see how things are done in the real world? Can I just volunteer? And, you know, to make a long story short, like one thing led to another and I got, I ended up getting a job at a radio station out of that just by showing that I was like hungry and wanted to get after it. Yeah, I've, I've too many people that I know that just hate their jobs, and I, I mean, I'm not like uh, working in the, the the field that I thought I was going to be doing, but I definitely enjoy my job, and I think that makes a, a world of difference in just your overall demeanor and you know in life. It's just you know you spend so much time. You know, sometimes I spend more time you know working than I do seeing family and friends. So it's you know if, if you hate what you do, it's 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 definitely not going to be a good week, you know. Oh yeah, and I think it trickles down too. Like, I think the point you make about you know, spending more time working than you spend with your friends or family is a thousand percent true. And if you're not enjoying what you're doing the bulk of the time, which is commuting to work and being at work, um, you know, how are you going to enjoy the other aspects of your life? If you, if you hate the bulk of your awake time, how are you going to be able to enjoy the other times? So yeah, that was a really big thing for me. And, uh, you know, I've just kind of followed that, uh, you know, followed that through, basically ever since i graduated it's just like i don't want to hate what i'm doing i didn't think I, I would scroll through your wikipedia page and see at the very bottom 2013 Bassmaster bass pro shops northern open amateur division big fish of the day as one of your awards but uh it makes sense now i mean growing up is that something <laughs> just growing up in canada that uh i'm sure i'm sure the the, the conditions up there make it uh ideal for some some big some good fishing and stuff well, first of all, that was a very big smallmouth bass, so I was happy to have that uh, award. Yeah, that was six, on Lake six Erie, pounds, yeah. seven ounces. Woo. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I, I honestly, I don't know. Like, I, I think that you know, sometimes we can't explain why we're drawn to the things we're drawn to, but uh, I, I'm, I'm very driven by passions, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm really, I feel very fortunate to have identified my passions early on and then kind of followed after them. And, you know, wrestling being one of them, broadcasting being another one and fishing being another one. So it's four years old. Our neighbors had a had like a lake house um, about an hour and a half from where we lived. And, 
I went up there and they stuck me on the end of the dock with like a, a little fishing rod and a worm. And I caught my first ever fish, a rock bass. It was tiny. It was like a six inch rock bass, but pardon the pun, I was hooked. And, uh, you know, it was just something I was so, so into. And I fished bass tournaments beginning from like age 14 until very recently. And it was just something that, I don't know, there's something about the competitive nature of it. And I don't know, it really, really drives me. And, um, now I'm, you know, I've gotten into a little bit more of the business side of fishing, which is, takes up a lot, a lot, probably a lot more time than the actual fishing does. But yeah, that's something that I think is always going to be with me. It's just that love of going out there and, you know, trying to defeat that finned, uh, <laughs> finned nemesis under the water. <laughs> Uh, you talk about passions. One of the things on our pa- on our podcast that we're really passionate about is collecting wrestling figures. Basically, half our show we talk about you know current day you know, wrestling. We do recaps of pay per views and 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 stuff like that. And then we talk about wrestling figures. When you were a kid, did you collect any wrestling figures? I know you weren't allowed to watch it at home, but maybe snuck them over to grandma and grandpa's house or something. <laughs> I I had them as I got a little bit older. Like um, when I got into college, and you know I was having those dreams of being a pro wrestler. That's when I. I had like a few of them. I had like, uh, I had a triple, I was a big triple H fan, big rock fan and also big Kurt Angle fan. So I had those figures. I had a, a rock action figure given to me that was like a talking smack rock. You probably are familiar. You probably know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Probably completely saying the name of it wrong, <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, no, your roles are wrong. Oh yeah. 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 Nice. Yeah. So, oh, cool. uh, And when I, when I say that my parents didn't let me watch wrestling, like it wasn't like, Hey, we don't want you watching it. It would be like, I would be in the basement, like Monday night, like nine o'clock, like watching it. And my dad, my dad knew, and I would hear them, hear them coming down the stairs and I would try to switch channels to like, you know, (laughs) we all know the trick to click the last channel button. (laughs) And my dad would, my dad would literally stand in front of the TV and be like, I'm not leaving and you're not watching this. Wow. And I'm like, well, but it's like, and I get it, you know, I get when you're 16 years old, you know, your dad doesn't want you watching a show where the guy is flipping off his boss and, you know, and people are wearing painted Telling on bikinis. Telling people to suck like, it and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, now, like, does, I get it. does your dad know, I mean, your dad obviously knows now that you, you basically make a living by uh, interviewing wrestlers. <laughs> so, I mean, something he did triggered something in your brain to, uh, you know, just make you want it even more. You know, this is one of those things that, you know. If you can't watch it, then it just makes you want to watch it even more. That's, that's Maybe. I'm, I'm just – I'm one of those people, though, that, like, when I set my mind to something, like, I am going to find a way to do it, you know, by hook or by crook. Like, I'm going to find a way to figure something out. So whether my dad stood in front of the TV and said I can't watch it or whether he was sitting next to me going, hey, let's – Let's see what Naked Midian's up to this week. Remember how, remember how bad <laughs> yeah, Naked Midian was? That was, was? An awful, awful gimmick. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think it was, I was just, I just had that mindset and still do that. Like I was going to set a goal and I was going to do everything I could to chase down that goal and accomplish it. Just a couple more questions, Chris, before we get out of here. I know you're you're a busy guy. Um, uh, of course. Thank you for having me on, Phil. Of course, of course. I want to know where you see AEW in five years, and uh, give us a, a couple names of, of some some folks there that you know the average watcher might not know that you think are going to be big time stars uh, in the coming years for AEW. Well, it's funny. I, I asked that exact question to Tony Khan during our interview, and that was a. A month before Double or Nothing, I said, what's the five-year plan? You're a business guy. What's the five-year plan? I also asked that same question of uh, Matt and Nick, you know, the Young Bucks. And, uh, you know, they both said, like, we want to be 
a viable like competitor in five years and we want to be a household name we want people to think of pro wrestling and think of wwe and AEW. and i think you know we're only what eight episodes in uh-huh, yeah. and uh i feel like that's already starting to become the case so i think you know from my personal opinion i i would love to see AEW continue on the track that they're on right now um i, I think it's super exciting it's it's fan first wrestling. We're seeing a lot of stuff that we haven't seen in, I guess, ever. You <laughs> know, um, I, I think that uh, you know the uh, the thing that I love that Tony Khan is always saying is he he's making the he's not making the product for the consumer because he's trying to make a bunch of money. He's making the product for the consumer because he is the consumer. Like, uh, and I think that's really exciting. You know, seeing it from that perspective. Uh, and I think some names that, you know, we're going to be seeing really – look, AEW's roster isn't that big. So I think that if you've watched it even a handful of times, you're aware of all the characters and, you know, you're aware of the storylines that are going on. But I think that if we were to look ahead a year-ish or so, I think that uh, MJF's going to be a main event player for sure. For sure. I think that uh, when Jake Hager starts having matches, he's a future champion. I think that that's going to be something that's going to happen. I think that uh, Sammy Guevara is going to be someone that, you know, maybe a little bit after that, a year or two or three from now, I think that Sammy Guevara is, you know, has so much potential, um, so much charisma as well. And he's just a good dude. And JR says it almost every single week that uh, Sammy, uh, Sammy reminds him of Eddie Guerrero. And I mean, that's extremely high praise from someone who, you know, knows a thing or two about wrestling. If JR saying that about you, uh, you know, that's that's an incredible compliment. But look, the future is so, so bright for all those stars, not just in AEW, but the future is bright in general in wrestling. Like so many wrestlers that are coming up that are 22 to 26 years old that I think are cementing the future for the next 10, 15, 20 years. And man, it's, it's just a super exciting time to be, you know, involved in the wrestling world as a fan or, you know, as a wrestler. For sure, yeah. I mean, there's there's so many so much content content out there for folks. I mean, between AEW and WWE, Ring of Honor, now NWA on Tuesday nights. It's just yeah, it's just it's almost too much. But that's kind of a good thing, you know. It's just uh, with the network and going back and watching old stuff. It's uh, yeah, it's definitely a great time. I mean, as a kid, you had you know two three hours a week until WCW took over a little bit there. But uh, yeah, it's it's definitely been fun. Um, I've got one more final question for you, Chris. This is a, a question I ask all my guests uh, when I, whenever we have people on here. What would your what, what would your last meal be if you uh, on death row? You could have one meal, eat whatever the hell you wanted. What would it be? I am such a sucker for chicken wings, oh. and I and then uh, like I know that that wouldn't sound like a you know a special or epic meal or anything, but uh, if you got me like breaded chicken wings, I'm a barbecue hot guy. Um, I would just need 10 of those. That's it. 10 of those. Cause anything more than that, I'd probably be dying with indigestion, might even die of indigestion. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my meal. And that's, it's my kryptonite too. Uh, chicken wings, if they're on the menu and I don't care how fancy the restaurant is. If me and you were to go out to dinner tonight, Phil, and chicken wings were on the menu, I'll tell you exactly what I'm ordering. <laughs> 
Dude, I should I should get my wife down here. I literally do the same thing. Uh, I am a chicken wing aficionado. I hate when they give you chicken wings and they're con- I don't know if you feel the same way, but you order chicken wings at like a fancier place and they give you them like connected, like the like the drum and the and the yes. And the Nobody connected. wants that. No, no, don't give me that. Just give me plain old wings. You know, uh, we do Old Bay here in Baltimore, kind of a spice, but uh, oh yeah, dry, yeah a dry, that. a little dry rub. But yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a big time wing guy. I gotta have a cold beer with it too. But um, uh, yeah, that sound that sounds pretty good, Chris. I, I agree with you there. Thank you for coming on. Uh, tell the folks where they can find you um, on, on YouTube and, and and Twitter and all that kind of stuff. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on, Phil. And you guys are doing great work with your show. And you know, keep it up. I, I've I've listened to this show many times before. Oh, so wow. when you guys. Cool. Yeah, when you guys reached out and said, you know, do you, would you would it be possible to come up with a show? I'm like, hell yeah, this is nice. amazing. Thank That's you. It's awesome, man. Uh, so people can find me. It's just my name at Chris Van Vliet, V A N V L I E T. Uh, that's YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and also my podcast, uh, the Chris Van Vliet Show. So wherever you're listening to this podcast, you can also find my podcast as well. Awesome, Chris. Well, uh, enjoy life in Cincinnati. Um, I, what's 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 been the pros and cons of moving out of Miami? I, my my in laws have a place down there we go to a couple times a year, so I can probably relate to some of them. But uh, after living in Miami for so long, what do you miss and what do you do not miss? Well, let me say that I was in Miami for five years, but before that, I was in Cleveland. So this is you know oh, kind of a homecoming. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, from Toronto, so you know I'm used to the uh, used to the cold weather. Yeah, so yeah. obviously, the con is uh, there is now cold weather again, whereas in Miami. It was quote unquote cold if the temperature dipped into the 60s. Um, so that's obviously a con. The pro is there's really no traffic. Uh, and I mean, Miami traffic is brutal. Um, so and, and, I, and I, I think that one of the draws to moving somewhere in Florida is uh, people are like, oh, yeah, you'll go to the beach all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the reality is you never go to the beach. Like, yeah. like I went to the beach only when my friends would come to visit. So, yeah. Yes, the beach is not there as an option, but uh, in the five years of living in Miami, I think I went to the beach like five times. So uh, that, I, that that's a con, that it won't be there anymore. Yeah, I hear you. The food down there is pretty good as well, I got to say. But uh, yeah, there's, I mean, the weather is like, uh, you know, summertime. It's pretty unbearable down there, just the, the heat and humidity. But uh, the scenery is good, uh, both, uh, you know, female wise <laughs> and, uh, and otherwise. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a fun place to visit. I don't know. I mean, five years is probably, you're probably ready to get out of there and see something new, you know? Well, there's just, there's something that feels very much like home about being here. You know, obviously the fact that my, my girlfriend, you know, is from here and uh, she has a great job uh, on TV here in Cincinnati. You know, that helps. But, you know, there's just something that feels like home about being in the Midwest. Um, even when I've just traveled around, you know, just uh, been in different parts of the Midwest for a, a night or two. There's just something that feels like home about it. So it's it's nice to be, you know, back in my uh, American home. My ad- adopted home state of ohio very nice very nice well chris thank you uh much 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 success in the future man you're, you're great at what you do and uh i hope the uh the youtube and, and your role in AEW continue to get bigger and bigger you're uh you're a great part of the wrestling community man we appreciate you that's really kind of you to say phil uh, thanks for taking the time to have me on uh, this is great and yeah you know, keep up the great work awesome man 
All right, that was AEW's Chris Van Vliet. You can uh, follow him on Twitter at Chris Van Vliet. Uh, like I mentioned at the, the beginning of the show, uh, we're going to record these interviews with a bunch of our favorite folks from around the wrestling industry, uh, from TV, podcasts, and other folks. Uh, these will be available to Patreon subscribers first, and then they will go out to uh, all of our uh, listeners on our normal iTunes feed. So be sure to listen for it. Uh, if you want to subscribe to Patreon, it's patreon.com slash Chick Foley Show. And um, be sure to keep listening, folks. We're, we're going to crank these out. Uh, myself and Marco, if he can jump on, and Sheena uh, before she pops out that baby. And uh, just to bring you guys some more content. So cl- stay classy, Marks, and we'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.